FIS Castaway, the podcast keeping you in the know about the shipping and commodity world. To keep up to date, sign up to our FIS Live app at www.fis-live.com or follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Hello, welcome back to Castaway, FIS's freight and commodity podcast. It is Wednesday, the 1st of September, and I am here on my own, uh, but I do have joined joining this week uh, Theo from Singapore, so uh, nice to see you, Theo. Hi, mate. Cool. So a, a kind of brief, I guess, uh, update on our main markets and also looking a bit more into what's happening in these carbon markets as well. So we'll go into the news, we'll go into those indexes, and then we'll pick apart what's been happening in those main markets and see uh, how we did on our predictions from uh, last week as podcasts. So what's happened in the news? Well, the United States and allies have completed their withdrawal from Afghanistan after airlifting more than 120,000 civilians from the country. The Eurozone inflation has risen to a decade high of 3%. Hurricane Ida made landfall on Sunday in Louisiana, the heart of the US energy industry. On Monday, the EU carbon price touched an all-time high of 61 euros. And the world is officially free of leaded petrol after last surprise in Algeria were finally depleted at the last remaining refinery. But what's happened in the indexes in terms of our markets? This is last week, Tuesday the 21st, 24th sorry, versus Tuesday the 31st yesterday. Uh, in terms of oil and products, well, Brent, we've seen a nice little rise. Closing 73.07, FIS close up 3.5% week on week. The high sulfur fuel oils, uh, both up as well, up 3.7% on the rock, closing 392.25 and 418.75 on the Sing 380, up 4.8%. On the 0.5s, the very low sulfur fuel oils, uh, up but to less extent, 2.6% on the rot, uh, above 500 again though, 501.78 and 524.78 on the Sing 0.5, up 2.8% week on week. And the high fives are continuing their slide off. Uh, they've been doing for a couple of weeks now. Uh, they were 111, both, uh, but now Rot high five is 110 and the Sing high five 106. Uh, Theo, what about iron ore indexes? Uh, in the iron ore market, the uh, plat 62% yesterday index was at $152.60. That's up $4 week on week, about 2.7%. The uh, fast market 65% um, index was $172. That's up $5.90 or about 3.5% week on week. And the uh, 65-62 spread at $17.50, which is up $1.90. That's 10.9% uh, week on week. And then the freight markets. Uh, we were 51472 on the uh, the 5TC capes, uh, now 49000 Eight nine or, or down to just over two thousand or four point six percent on the Panamax four TC. Uh, we're down one point eight percent or about five hundred and eighty seven bucks week on week uh, on the tankers TC two. Uh, nice little rise thirty six percent from one hundred to one hundred thirty six eleven. Uh, TC five down two point seven percent one twenty nine twenty nine closing. T three C up two percent thirty one ninety five. And TD25, big mover again as well, 92.92 closing, up 32%. Uh, and on the EUAs, we had uh, last week 56.64 euros. Uh, the, this is compulsory carbon market for the for Europe, for the European Union. Uh, but it did close last night at 60.63 and has now continued to push into to this week. What about the, the voluntaries? Uh, in the volunteer markets, uh, quite similar actually. The uh, GO contract on CME, the December 21 contract, is now at $7.35. Last week was at $5.20. And the NGO, the nature-based contract, 
the December 21 contracts at $7.45 last week, $6.80 per tonne. That's US tons. So nice moves up on that. And I think we're going to get to, at the end, uh, just talking a little bit of what's been happening in those carbon markets. But I guess to kind of start this week looking at uh, a prediction for myself, uh, and I did say we were going to probably be around those 71 levels, um, although directionally correct. Um, I somewhat undersold where we thought we were going to be. So a nice little move up again into those kind of healthy 70 levels. We did see a good uh, draw in the EIA statistics. So we did have the API last week uh, predicting a draw. We, again, those have come true. And the EIA has, has shown us a, a minus 3 million barrel draw in crude oil stocks in the US, further supporting this this rise that we had after that collapse um, a couple of weeks ago where we, we saw that weakness uh, with the, the Delta variant concerns and, and what was else was happening. But we have also had other things. We've had those those rains come into to the US um, and the floods. So the S&P Global Platts analytics have predicted around about 2.2 million barrels of barrels per day of refining capacity was offline due to that, that storm hitting the US coastline. Um, so shutting oil production in the US Gulf and futures contracts, we hit four-week highs on intraday trading because of that. Um, and we have actually opened this morning as well above that 73, continuing to push up, really supporting things. That hurricane shot around about 95% of capacity in the Gulf of Mexico. And that was according to the Bureau of Safety and Environmental Enforcement. Uh, and so all these factors are kind of support. We've we've had our wobble looking at what was happening with the virus, what was happening with the increase in productions from OPEC. Uh, and now we have recovered back to those levels that we were discussing several weeks ago uh but not pushing significantly towards that 80 levels yet but uh we're chucking up slowly uh on on levels if you look at what we did over the week so wednesday just after the podcast that's closed 71.63 we closed up to 72.35 on friday and now above 73 uh closing just above 73 on on yesterday's stuff as well the impact on fuel oil that's had it, it has pushed Prices on the high sulfur fuel oil up by over 15 bucks. On the very low sulfur fuel oil, it's pushed that up over 10 bucks, and the low sulfur gas oil up over 12 bucks. So, you know, it's been a significant increase themselves on what's happening in those fuel oil prices too. And again, the the high sulfur fuel oil crack is continuing to maintain its strength. We saw levels move down last week from around about minus 10.75 ish down to the minus 10.20s, and that has maintain those levels despite the fact that Brent has now moved up uh, a couple or over a couple of bucks. So there's that amazing product, the high sulfur fuel oil that everyone was writing off and said we'd be completely superfluous to everything that we needed is um, proving to be the ultimate comeback kit uh, of of the products, the oil products. Uh, just a little bit of touching on the, the, the FOGO curve, which has kind of flattened considerably. We saw that those levels in the indexes, indexes have come off a little bit. We were moving towards those 120, 130 levels uh, to a certain uh, degree, looking at, oh, this is going to, to continue to, to drop out, especially if you looked at the forward curve, uh, I think it was about five or weeks or so ago, those 120, 130 levels looking forward, this is going to be something which is going to continue to expand. But those have now pulled back. But if you look at the 2022 levels, it does seem to that this is going to be for both grades. Uh, both locations, Rotterdam and Singapore, something around the 120, 125 levels for a very flat forward curve on, on those uh, that, that spread between the, the very low sulfur fuel oil and the high sulfur fuel oil uh, products or the scrubber spread, if you like to call it that way. In terms of physical 
things have moved up with increasing Brent values. So if you're looking east of Suez, uh, prices up in Zushan by nine bucks, Fujara six bucks, Singapore four bucks on the very low sulfur fuel oil. And the biggest increases have actually come in high sulfur fuel oil in terms of physical. Zushan up 19 bucks, Fujara 17 and Singapore up 16. Uh, then in terms of Europe and African bunker prices, uh, you've seen a similar situation, although much more consistent across uh, the grades. All the kind of very low sulfur, low sulfur marine, or marine gas oil and high sulfur fuel oil uh, moving up around about 12 to 18 bucks uh, in Rotterdam, Gibraltar around about 10 and Durban around about five to nine bucks on those things. So much more consistent in those things. But then also in, in the US, it's been again another week of kind of mixed directional moves on on these products uh we had that last week as well even though with the increase in uh for crude prices uh, the biggest increase is balboa the, of low sulfur marine gas so up 29 bucks there so some significant movements but all the other ports are, are very marginal two to three bucks uh across for for those grades high sulfur and the very low sulfur fuel oil so um I got the right direction, but I didn't get the the right amount of moving much much more quickly up on prices rather than seventy one where we are hitting at the seventy three levels and a nice healthy increase on those products. Uh, the point five is now uh, comfortably above the five hundred levels again. But uh, Theo, why don't we uh, explore a little bit on what's happening in the iron ore? Well, in the iron ore market, it's been a very choppy period in the last week or so. Um, looking at the index, for example, two weeks ago we were twenty dollars lower. And on Friday, we hit $159 on the PLAT62 index. Yesterday, as I said, we're back down to $152.60. So I actually started looking at, uh, had a quick look at the uh, realized volatilities of the uh, iron ore market. And astonishingly, I noticed that the 10-day volatility is at 100% right now. That's pretty much FFA type of uh, uh, realized volatility. The 30 days at 68% and the uh, 50 days, the 53%. The reason why I use those three points, uh, usually uh, volatility or option traders will look at the fast vol, which is the 10 day. The 30 day they call the medium vol and the uh, 50 day the slow vol. So they'll compare that the realized volatilities and then look at where the implieds are. So the implieds now, if you compare that slow vol, which is probably the most important one, that 50% vol that I've been talking about, uh, at the money vols for the front end, uh, iron ore market is about 54%. Interestingly, the market has a negative skew on the calls. So basically, it's cheaper to buy calls than puts, and the puts have got a lot of skew on them. So the market's suggesting the mar- that the pri- that prices directionally should be going to the downside. But who knows in this market when they're going to go to the downside or the upside because the fundamentals aren't pointing in either direction. I mean, fundamentally, in the last couple of weeks, we've seen better shipments. Port inventories are higher, and I agree with a lot of people, they are higher, but they're a lot higher compared to last year. Compared to 2019, they aren't that much higher though. So that's something to look into. The port operators though, they've recovered, and um, they seem to think the virus is under some sort of control. Then I looked at um, FMG. FMG released uh, their figures for what when they sell their, um, their physical uh, iron ore, and they seem a little bit on the bearish, well, very bearish actually, the Australian miners slashed their term contracts uh, from from 27% to 30%. So that means that basically if you're buying iron ore from FMG, which would they have their brands of uh, special super fines or the Fortescue blend find, that means that you'll buy it, you can buy it at 30% lower than the actual September index. That's, that's how they uh, measure that. 
So then looking at today's iron ore prices, um, I just closed a couple of hours back. They, um, they, they, they're down. It seems that the reason for that is because people are suggesting there's poor, well, first of all, poor Chinese economic indicators came out uh, just today and the markets are concerned with the ever-expanding steel output cuts that may limit demand for the upcoming construction period. The uh, China's P manufacturing PMI recorded uh, 49.2 in August, which indicates a contracted uh, sector for the first time since April 2020. And uh, there's also, of course, market talk about steel production cuts being implemented among Chinese provinces, which to improve air quality and comply with their stringent so-called emission curves. In all in all, I think we're in for an absolute bumper of a Q4. Uh, that's, there's no doubt about that. And if I were a, a punter, I would be very long calls and puts, which is called a straddle, uh, and just sit back and come back in January and see which side wins, basically. Put on the trade, strap in, and see what happens next year. Absolutely. And if you don't have options on your book, I suggest you definitely have some uh, some hedges on there because uh, we, I think we're going to go in for an absolute bumper ride for Q4. Yeah, as we start September, you know, it would be the ultimate thing of looking what Q4 is going to be going to be doing or the October, November, December period where you're going to get the increasing number of countries who will have successfully done a vaccine program, uh, the relaxing of restrictions, the increasing in economic activity and the, I guess, clawing back of normality of where things are going to go. And it, it's just so difficult to say whether this is going to go, everyone relaxes and you get that kind of release of everything or this just kind of ramps up, isn't it? It's very difficult to see which way that's going to go. Oh, very, very much. On the iron ore side, you, it's very similar. You could say that, you know, construction period will start picking up. So that sector should be bullish. Uh, yeah, the, the, with the uh, code in, uh, situation there, if it, if it uh, stabilizes or improves, that's a bullish sentiment. So there are a couple of bullish things. Then on the flip side, the bearish side would be Increased shipments, uh, reduced production, um, uh, more stringent environmental restrictions, I guess. So there's there's two sides. I mean, you can you just pick a side now and have a go. Really, it's that it's it's just it's pretty much like that now because you could you could argue either you could argue either bullish or bearish right now. I mean, I think red, you know, red or black, Theo. Red or black. Exactly. <laughs> I still feel like buying a cheeky. Uh, upside call at $200 mark isn't a silly idea at all. I'll still stick to that one. We're talking of uh, markets not knowing where the hell they're going to go. We get to the freight markets for this week. And most of the time, as you said, you were getting on those uh, iron ore levels of volatility, which are you know putting the, the dry market to shame. Um, but we don't have Kerry this week. So we've got a little bit of a review of what we've seen from uh, our brokers here at FIS. And if you saw the end of last week, it did seem pretty flat if you were following just the futures. Uh, but with the uh, move towards the contract expiry, we have seen a, a bit more of a significant move off on paper. Uh, last week, at the end of last week, we did see Cape Spot maintaining levels around about 50k mark. And the front month futures, that was August, staying around the 42,000 level. On the Panamax, um, the, the 40C, we had 33,000 level on the front month. Uh, and the future was around about 31k. So that was the kind of positioning into the end of last week. And I'm, I'm sure that when Kerry went off on his holiday uh, on Friday, uh, he saw that he picked a pretty good week to, uh, to take that. But uh, he has actually missed the opportunity to gloat about his prediction. 
So <laughs> it did say that we would be fair, you know, neutral to, to coming off from the market. And he was, um, uh, it pains me to say, he was right again. Um, so although the miners were trying to kind of take the heat out of the Cape Pacific market on, on Friday, uh, AM, they found that owners were very stubborn on that front. Uh, as a consequence, the kind of C5 levels were holding. Uh, the Atlantic, by comparison, did see an injection of more transatlantic cargo, which makes made an already tight basin even tighter. So uh, we were seeing some signs there. But coming into this week, uh, the Cape paper did end up under pressure with most of the early activity in September on the on the TC contract. Um, it was the Pacific that led the way down in terms of physical with C5 unexpectedly shedding over a dollar uh, yesterday morning. Uh, the Atlantic still looks positive and the late afternoon selling interest may well have been d- due to the month end consolidation rather than anything fundamentally bearish. Um, so with the balance of the year now pricing a long way under spot, it would be interesting to see buying support appears as these few weeks into September come along. On the Panamax, uh, the Atlantic was still under pressure and a toppy talk in the uh, the Pacific we saw further profit taking and some long liquidations knocking the curve lower. So SEP and OPS sold off to 33,000 and 34,000. Uh, lows respectively, dragging Q4 down to 32,000 um, before finding a little bit of support. Further out on the Q1 and Q2, the Panamax slipped to uh, uh, minus 250 inverse, while the the Cal 22 dropped to 20,600. But talking to our technical analyst, one thing to just note before finishing on the freight is that the Cape Index RSI has moved below 75. And more often than not, previous examples, this has meant that support levels are going to be tested, and especially what we're looking at they're saying that that big test level is the 35,000 level so something definitely to to watch as we start to test whether those support levels are there after seeing this kind of slight drop down into the the month roll the contract expiry and month roll but that's what we've seen in terms of the freight but then the carbon to finish off for this week Theo uh, the EUA future we had it in the news to start with we finally hit a new all-time high on the uh, on the mandatory EUA carbon price touching uh, 61 euros uh, yesterday's trading and that has continued to rise again today. Yeah, it has. Um, I was going to say that like as as an ex-trader and all traders come in to the markets looking at it from a, a certain angle. So this morning I came in looking at Japanese power and I thought, oh, it's up. Went straight to a TTF. That's at an all-time high. Then I didn't really need to look any further. It's EUAs above 61. The NGOs above $7. It just seems to me these markets are all correlated in one direction. I mean, at the end of the day, the uh, European market, in the TTF market, the gas market there, I mean, they're saying that uh, there'll be further cuts coming out of Norway. So that's always going to increase, uh, push that market up. And that also has an effect on the power market in Europe, which will have an ongoing effect with the EUA market. So that all makes sense. So coming into winter, I've been thinking about this. I think... Like if we look at look back in the last year, you think about the, the number of weather events we've had. Like we've had floods in was it Belgium or somewhere like that? Is that right? Germany. In Germany, we've had fires in California. Last week, looking at the Japan Japanese power market, demand was like off the charts. Uh, they had like 35 day weather for the for a few days running consecutively. So you can imagine the amount of air conditioning in that in that city. Um, so from that hot weather during um, in China. These weather events, these damaging weather events and destruction events, 
caused that volatility in the markets. And then if you look at you look at the EUA markets or NGO markets, there's only one thing to do is get hedged as quickly as possible. Because as we go further into the future looking forwards, I think these weather events will no longer be just one-offs. They're just going to be maybe normal in the future. Something to really consider, especially if you're going to look at the NGO or the EUA markets. It's definitely the warnings of, of scientists that these extreme weather conditions are going to become more likely. And just like uh, financial compliance, this environmental problem and all the legislation and efforts to do something about it aren't going to get away. They're going to get more increasingly uh, stringent. They're going to be more compulsory programs around the world, like what we see in Europe at the moment, uh, which will expand. Uh, we've already got shipping coming in in January 2023 in a, at a phased introduction. Uh, that may be actually sped up and more industries put into that. So as you say, Theo, logically, there's only one direction this can go. Absolutely. I mean, uh, more and more I read about, uh, for example, LNG carbon neutral uh, vessels being uh, done by companies and it's becoming a day by day by day basis. So you're seeing more and more of that happening. So there is a demand for that. And, but that's also, there's also, it also is there as a smart hedge on top of what you're doing, really. Yeah, you've got uh, Maersk putting out methanol. Oh, there you go. Uh, vessels now, haven't they? So uh, they've yeah. punted on on that. So absolutely, and and it's more of you. You've got to get a big diversification, stratification of all these things which we used to do with um, fossil fuels, are now going to have to find alternatives, and whether that can actually sustain the whole complex itself by uh, this new process of whatever thing we use. Yeah. Uh, who knows? Yeah. Anyway, anything finally, Theo? Before we finish for this week? No, I think it's been a bumper week, and uh, let's see what next week brings us. No, it's been fairly, um, very nice chat in quiet without Kerry this week. Hopefully he's not <laughs> listening and, uh, and hears it this week. But uh, he will be back next week, and I'm sure that he'll uh, have texted through another prediction of what happens, and he can uh, pat himself on the back when he gets back. But uh, to everyone listening, do join us again next week for an update on all our main markets.